This is the Quadrants of Mental Health Podcast with Dr. AJ. Hello and welcome to Quadrants of Mental Health. I'm your host, AJ, uh, Dr. AJ, but just call me AJ. I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, I have a special guest today. I'm uh, looking forward to this interview. He is an attorney in the Richmond area, Metro Richmond area. Um, Charlie Inch is his name. He's been practicing law for about 14 years. And we had an interesting conversation last week, um, and I just wanted to have him come on and share with you his philosophy, his journey, his process, and where he is within, in his law firm, and the team that he's trying to put together. So I'm kind of excited. So Charlie, did uh, married? Married with kids? Where are you with, with your family then? No, man, I'm... Uh... I'm Richmond's probably least eligible bachelor right now. Uh-huh. Uh, I've got two fur babies, uh, Jack, Jack, and Isis. Okay. And uh, and a perpetual project for a house and a Jeep Wrangler. So, <laughs> you know, I, right now, <laughs> I'd have to get rid of some of those things if there was a lady coming into life. Oh, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I understand. But hey, I appreciate you coming on. So, I'm going to uh, let you. Tell us about your journey to where you are now, because you've been practicing law for a long time, and, and this is relatively new for you as far as integrating into your uh, practice. It's new for me to actually have a label to what I do. Okay. And I don't okay. want to make a lot of practitioners in the area or across the country feel that, that, that none of these things are they already doing. Right. Um, but yeah, the trauma-informed law aspect is recently been something that I adopted to the practice and then realized that... It actually already been a name. It, it, it's the new name from what they used to call uh, therapeutic lawyering, okay. I believe. Um, but there is some history too. It's just I think that a lot of practitioners, lawyers are not the kind of people that um, they're not the warm and fuzzies, right? Right. I, I struggle even myself how to say it because it's not that they don't have feelings of care, but mm-hmm. they, you know, adversarialness is the is the one of the bedrocks of what our judicial system is. Yes. Um, you know, obviously, it takes a lot of money to become a lawyer, and people expect to make money once they become a lawyer. Not that that's a terrible thing, but that's, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes that's the motivation. Yes. Um, other things require, you know, empathy. Mm-hmm. Um, and lawyers, quite frankly, when you are, you know, I, a, a great friend of mine, David Baugh, taught me some things. But one of his one of his mantras in, in practicing criminal defense was my client my client is a son of God everyone else is a son of a bitch oh wow you know and so but having that um, there's a reason why all these jokes about lawyers being sharks and being you know is is that it it does take some of that in the profession where there's a lot of people that have those maybe aspects of the personality in the profession right 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 it's a common it's a common thread there right for most lawyers. Right. But I do meet a few that have that empathy part of them, and, and they're like, to me, it's like chum in the water, you know, with sharks. They, they get they get eaten in court. Oh, my goodness. I, really? I cringe. I don't, well, you know, there's some, but I don't, you know, I, I think um, I think that you can be a very successful, very effective lawyer um, and have a little bit of that. I mean, look how Craig Cooley, you know, he's the consummate gentleman. Um, I've never heard him say a bad thing about somebody else. Mm. Um, and he's got, but you know, he, one of his hallmark cases was the Malvo case up in D.C. with the D.C. sniper. Okay. Um, and they were able to keep that, you know, that client, that defendant, from being put on death row. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you, if you know, if you know Craig Cooley, that that's that's the perception. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he is 
wicked sharp and wicked effect, uh, yeah. effective in the in the in the and so I fear that sometimes the 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 public perception or the general perception is that if you have these merciful qualities, so to speak, mm -hmm. that you are going to lose and get eaten alive and you're right. chopping water. Right. And if you have this this killer instinct pit bull mentality people, that people that, want to shock. No, but they, sometimes they do, but sometimes that's the worst thing for the case. It is. You know, sometimes the, the fact, you know, we can and we can get into that as well, but you know, I, I just don't want the public perception. I would like to push back against that public perception right. that you need to be a have it be a killer instinct and need to be just the biggest jerk mm -hmm. in order to be to make waves and be good and, and right. the, there are, you know, Bill Dinkin is is one. He's just a wonderful, yeah. really, really incredible litigator. But he also has the ability to massage the circumstances because sometimes you know, a legal problem is not the root problem. It's the it's the it's a symptom. Of yes, a problem. it is. Yes, it is. And so the root of the problem a lot of times is is just poor communication between two people, misunderstandings, uh, misinterpretation of, of situations and problems. Um, but with you moving, and you mentioned um, trauma informed. What's the, the, your website? Traumainformedlaw.com. Trauma informed law. We're gonna make sure we put that on the screen yeah. as well. Well, I'm so also doing the podcast too, uh, defending okay. the indefensible. So I want okay. people to be able to turn in, turn on to that when it's you know when, first. When, well, when you get that up and running, we'll put that in our newsletter. We'll, we'll help you to promote that. Create Can't a wait. link Can't on wait. our on our page to it as well because. Um, you're the only lawyer that I know of in this area that's, that has that approach. There may be others, but I'm saying I met you and talked to you, and I say, hey, I got to get you on here because yep. you, you, you know, understanding trauma is phenomenal. Now, we're talking about trauma, so I'm going to define it for you as we do, and then we'll get back to Charlie. And I say trauma is any one stressful event that's overwhelming, unpredictable, out of your control, and sometimes it's prolonged. Such events continue unexpressed. That means you never talked about it, unprocessed. We don't know how you feel and misunderstood. So it don't have to be 10 things that go wrong. It could be that one thing that will traumatize a person, especially when they're stuck there. Overwhelming, unpredictable, out of your control. Those things are what trauma is based and rooted in. And a lot of times when we go to court and we deal with people, we tend to deal with the behaviors which to me states that behavior says, it's a language that says, I need attention, I need to be taught. That's what behaviors mean to me, that's what we teach. Um, so if I focus, if I see the behavior, that means I got trauma under it, or there's the levels of stress under it, or there's fear under it. But a lot of times we tend to focus 100% on the behaviors, I'll say 90% on the behaviors, and which causes what? More problems, negative feedback loops and things like that. So. When I talked to you before, we had, you had talked about putting together a team of people. Tell us a little bit more about that. What do you, what, what's your goal with that? Well, my goal with that, and I think you had a great segue into me being able to talk about my goal about that, because mm -hmm. I see you you are 100% right about what is trauma. Mm -hmm. But we, the problem is that trauma hides in plain sight. Mm -hmm. And being the, one of the people that's worked on his own personal trauma journey and trying to uncover some of those things, and being introspective as I am, I realized that, you know, trauma is directly and inextricably linked with shame. Mm -hmm. um, Brene Brown does a ton of work on that, if any, you know, just to bring up some names. But shame is the, the definition that I am unworthy of connection and love. Right. I am by definition bad. Right. 
Um, and trauma and shame, and I think of the Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now idea, where he talks about ego and then the shadow of the ego or the pain body. Mm -hmm. The trauma and shame I think of as in an, in an infinity loop. Shame is, is begets trauma, trauma begets shame. Mm -hmm. But that's all tied to the ego. And I think of ego as I am who I think you think I am. Right. And then there's, I think of that as having three phases, passive, active, and passive, active. Passive. You're doing this to me, so therefore I think that you think that I am this. Mm -hmm. And we talk about that at the beginning of the story of the bully, correct? The bully was first bully. I am who I think you think I am, you're treating me this way, therefore I'm weak, or whatever those shameful ideas are. But then right. you say, ah, active, I can do that, and then I think that you think that I am that. Mm -hmm. And then we do this other action to prevent the pain and the trauma and the shame or whatever it is that we're getting from this action because we believe that we are who we think they think we are. Exactly. And then when that active version works, then we adopt it, and that's when you get into passive active because now you're just doing it without ever making the decision because we as human beings are about habits. Conscious, unconsciousness. Unconsciousness. It becomes unconscious action. Right, and so we never, we do that so long that we forget that we ever made the decision to do that in the first place. The second option, and and so there we and so then we talk about these trauma yeah. these trauma experiences when we talk about the trauma pattern, right? Right. And then we, we are we are almost it's almost like creating the gears the gears in the in the in the clock. Yeah. You do this to me. I think that I think that you think that I think that I am yeah. you know I am who I think you think I am. I think that you think that I'm this. So I'm not thinking. So let's do this. So I'm going to do this. Right. So I can try to make everyone else think that I am this. Right. Right. And then we get to this. I mean, now look at the the, the term criminal. Look at the term addict. Right. Look at the term mental health, someone with mental health. And now everyone has a as as a a all these exactly. And so it becomes this identity. Yes. And ego is searching for identity, searching for identity that is based off of off of double speculation mm -hmm. and misunderstanding. Right? Mm -hmm. So I've dated when you asked about my so let's just give an example. You you date a woman that you really like and you give her a compliment. Mm -hmm. Then you get your compliment. Oh and goodness. she gets upset. Yes. Now what you what I've now started to realize is that people use their words as weapons so often, right? And, yes. we, and we try to wound people. And so experience there, there's lots of things that wound me that I realized I become reactive instead of responsive about. Right. But people use words to hurt. And then people get used to and conditioned to that trauma pattern mm -hmm. and that negative feedback loop. And mm -hmm. so therefore that's all they ever hear when they hear those words. It's and, filtered. Right, right. It's because I am who I think you think I am. Right. Oh, I think, and I think you're, you know, right. Um, right. I'm short and my last name is Inch. Okay, uh -huh. so um, I'm just going to get that out there. But that was a huge prop because men mm. are shamed to be weak, right? If you are weak or perceived weak. My right. mom had a trivet beside her, her uh, oven my whole life, and I always looked at it. You know, and my whole family is short. Okay, okay so you see a trivet? A trivet. It's a hot plate, of, of, you know, something you put a, oh, a, a hot okay. pan on on the table. It's called okay. a trivet. Um, the trivet said tall, dark, and handsome. Oh, my. And, you know, my mom didn't know, but I, I thought my whole life, man, tall, dark, and handsome. That's no, no one. That's no one in this house. <laughs> my, my mom married a guy that was not tall, so I knew that that wasn't like what wow. she required. But I'm just like, you know, looking back at some of these things, being short and last day an inch, yeah. you're an easy target for other people to oh, pick on, you know? And, yeah. and then you start building this bully persona, but then yeah. you can't be too bullish because then you get accused of being a Napoleon. Right. And so it's like, it's like a catch-22. You right. know, like we play basketball. I say, Charlie, why are you terrible at basketball? I don't know, because I'm 5'4". Uh -huh. Well, 
Muggsy Bogues. Oh, <laughs> oh thank you. There's a lot. Okay, yeah. But then we go to the to the weight room, and I'm benching, you know, more than 100 percent of my weight, and right. it's oh, well, Charlie, you're only good because you're short. Right. If you right. had to push the weight all this distance, then uh-huh. you know, um, just always something. Oh yeah, but but these are the you know, and, and it hides in plain sight, right? And then yes, you got to say, well, these things didn't affect me. Yeah. Because that's the natural tendency that the trauma didn't affect me, so we don't stop to look at the trauma. Well, we don't think about it because it's it becomes a subconscious, um, and from come from it comes from a subconscious place in our mind. We don't even think about it anymore, and to understand that is rooted in that initial problem, you know, because right. it morphs and manifests throughout our lives, and we change it to fit wherever we are right now. But we don't go stop to think about that problem because no. we've already analyzed it yes. and we've already pushed it out of our mind. Yes. And we remember it, so therefore we tell me there's nothing about that that I don't understand or didn't think about because there's this misconception that this trauma or these other things when we talk about when we see a psychologist and start to understand some of the shadow work and some of this this, this uncovering that, um, oh, it must be something that I just didn't remember happened to me. Yes. And so therefore people have this misconception that the things that I remembered happening to me weren't bad, weren't bad. because I remember it, and I, I have this, I have this concept, and I survived. Right. But then the, the first thought, the first thing you need to stop to think about is, is is the way we our our mental, the way our mind, our psyche survives. Right. Is it minimized? Yeah. Right. And then you know you talk about dissociation. You know people. You know individuals that experience ex- terrible sexual abuse as children mm-hmm. end up if their psyche the. the the, the, the research and the studies that are shown is that people stop living in those areas of their body. Mm-hmm. Not that the cells die, but they stop consciously they, occupying it. They lose that connection. Right. And so, um, you know, when the, these terrible things happen, the young girls say, and there are, there are stories about, you know, uncovering these things. When it happened, I became the butterfly on the wall because it was happening to somebody else. It wasn't happening to me. Right. But we all have certain aspects of that. That's an extreme example. Yeah. Um, but we all have certain examples of that. And then getting to your point, and the reason why I wanted to go through these things are, is it's so much more, it's so simple, but it's so complicated. It is. So when you talk about your team to put together, what trauma-informed law, the reason why it's difficult, the reason why there's not a lot of practitioners doing it, first off, is the first thing we talk about, is that it has a perception of weakness because you're talking about mercy, and you're right. talking about not feelings. taking it to the other side. You're talking about Emotions. feelings. Um, you're talking about they what they want when when you are in the pit of that shame barrel that is called criminal law. When you are charged, here's what I notice. I practiced for 14 years. I've been practicing criminal defense for the whole time. The thing that really really confused me at the very beginning of my practice that really is one of the questions that really started to kind of open my mind to what's going on is I would be at a I would be at a bar, I'd be somewhere out in public, and I'm I'm a pretty good gregarious, you know, friendly person, right? Yes. So I'd be talking to someone sitting here, you and I are talking, Mr. Chuck, Charlie, what do you do? People I practice criminal defense. Mm-hmm. The number of times that that identity, mm-hmm. people would say, how do you how do you do how do you help those bottom feeders? How do yeah. you live with yourself? Yeah. And they, they would literally say, you know what? I'm, they wouldn't even say they don't want to talk to me. Well, they would just turn and yeah. talk to somebody else. And it was an end. Yeah. And there were two instances. I can't remember the exact client, but I remember it being so profound in my life. They called me. One was two months later, and one, I think, was six months later. Mm-hmm. My last name is Inch, yeah. which is a very memorable word, right? Um, name. But they called me up, and they say, Inch, 
who do you know that's more of a bottom feeder than you? Because my loved one has been charged with X, Y, and Z, but, but they're not a criminal. I mean, oh. they, they did it, but they're not a criminal. They were struggling with this other thing. Oh, wow. And so the thing is, is that this identity that we're talking about, and it happens with addiction as well, is that yeah. the, by definition, those people are being shamed because the public at large believes that they are unworthy of love and connection and that they are purposely doing this and that somehow they are, by definition, bad. Yes. Which is why they cannot accept that idea for their loved one if something else goes wrong. Yeah. Now, I just wanted to say this, you know, this is an attorney, you guys, uh, and, and it's so rare, air, to hear an attorney talk like this, you know, and it was, it's great. I'm, I'm loving this. You know, um, I had a client, I had several clients, you know, and we talked about that shame and, and bringing in trauma. Where they didn't do well in high school. They didn't do well in school. And the first thing they tell me is, is I'm slow. I'm down. I'm, I can't learn. But but when you talk to them and you hear their story, I want the manager at this place. Everywhere I've gone, I've gotten this job. I said, uh, just because you didn't do well in school, why does that define you today when you're a manager, you got this, you're doing all these positive things, but they will always be sure to tell me their failures and what they didn't do well in. You know, trauma. You know, and I always tell people, in times of stress, we all regress back to the age and stage of initial trauma. So when I get stressed, I think about that little child, you know, I'm going to react from that position more so than saying, this is who I am today. And a lot of times we, we tend to label people and label situations where, you know, instead of taking the time to really get to know a person and know their thought process and understanding their journey, you know, because a lot of times we will look at your chapter 30 and I'm in my chapter 5 or 10 and I'm making a judgment about you and I haven't seen your walk because it took a lot for Mr. Charlie Inch to get to this seat right here. You know, you've been through some things. You've had some trauma. And, and the great thing about it is you're now in a place where you understand trauma, you understand the impact it can have on relationships. Because you gave the example of complimenting someone and their reaction to it. it it's amazing. Didn't go well in the moment. No. If I would have known then what I know now, right? Yeah. It's amazing how when, when, you, when you define it and then you can see things from, from different positions. So my, my question now in, in moving in this conversation a little bit more is, how do you, as an attorney, get a judge and other attorneys to understand where you're coming from? Great question. There are four ways to defend any case. Mm -hmm. Any case, four ways. One, the facts that you believe happened didn't happen, mm -hmm. right? Second, the person that did those facts ain't my guy or gal. Three, my guy or gal today, as they stand before you, is not the same person they were yesterday when they did those facts. Right. And four, here's what you need to understand that happened to my guy or gal or, or that they experienced that means that they're not the beast or demon that you believe they would have had to have been to do those facts. Right. And so really it's, what we're talking about, it, it is because it involved the one of the most difficult things to do with a client. That client's in here charged with something that that our society considers to be absolutely um, horrendous. Horrendous, right? Yeah. And they know it. Yeah. They know that they're charged with that, and they know how people look at that. And yeah. they, and I and I got to walk into that room with an open heart and open mind, a willingness and true desire to help them, mm -hmm. and convince them that I'm not trying to just screw them over, right. and have these conversations 
and try to have and try to open up and create this this um, connection, this relationship. Right. You know, and and you know that the statistic for a healthy relationship typically is five good interactions for one bad interaction. Yes. So I'm walking in expecting this person that knows that people don't like people that are accused of this thing, mm -hmm. and trying to convince them that I'm different from everybody else that they knew. And sometimes different than every other lawyer that's ever represented them because most lawyers don't ask what happens to you. Right. Talk to me about what. So I wanted to wait. Let's, we'll talk about the facts of this case. We'll talk about what happened that night later, and we'll talk about whether or not you did it, or whether or not you didn't do it, or whether or not we're gonna, you know, wink at each other and say, "Well, don't tell me what you really did. Just tell me what might what facts what might be you, out there." Yeah. Right. Well, what do you think I want you to hear? Right. Right. And so, so there's yeah, yeah. And so you run into this, you know, uh -huh. like like that conversation. It's a dance. Man, I will tell you, oh man, that's the best word I've ever heard it described as. But you but in my opinion, where you we need to start start that process is asking a person, tell me about who you are. Tell right. me what tell me not not even who you are, but you know, what was life, what was your journey? Life? I would you, only know you, your journey. Yeah, what's yeah, but you gotta figure out what what's and we talk about communication, right? Mm -hmm. So the ability to no matter who is in that seat. And communication goes two ways. Communication yeah. is I want you know, I tell I think of so often I said I've got those two two dogs, Isis and Jack Jack. They're Carolina dogs. Isis is about fifty pounds, Jack Jack is sixty-five. Oh my. they're they're both uh, they're both uh, rescued. Isis is my girl and she loves tender attention. Mm -hmm. um, Jack Jack likes it, he loves rough. He was mm -hmm. he wants he likes to, to nibble on your forearm, he he likes to he likes to rough house. But if you do the same thing to ISIS, she cowers, she gets scared, and she and and she and she shies away. Right. And so I find myself so often because I like to give the rough attention to Jack Jack. When I turn to ISIS and I love her just as much, right. I end up doing the same thing I just did with Jack, and I have to catch myself. Right. You know. And so the I don't love either one any differently. Mm -hmm. I just don't always communicate to them in a way that they understand my love, I right. think, is my issue. And so, I, you know, kind of applying that to the case, now you've got to try and figure out what what sort of communication style or what does this person, sometimes you need to be very vulgar, mm -hmm. you know, vulgar, swearing, things like that that will make the client or, or, or the, 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 some, the, the studies show that that kind of talk sometimes is people don't feel that you're being... Uh, disingenuous right you know and you're right and so sometimes there's a little bit of that sometimes i've done that before thinking that that's the communication style that was appropriate mm -hmm. here and it turned the client off because right. they didn't expect to hear the f word from, from the lawyer right you know and so there's been there's all these challenges but you're right how do you communicate this the fact that you want to hear about that do it do it in a way that you're not suggesting shame mm -hmm. you know one of the challenges I have, um, okay, we got about a minute in this segment. We're gonna do we're gonna do three more segments. So hang with us. Um, and if you were just tuning in, go back, listen to it all because I think by the time you get to the end, you're gonna really learn a lot. And um, why don't you give your website again? Because I want people to be able to get in contact with you. Traumainformedlaw.com. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will Particularly point them toward there's a there's a heading called trauma focus and resources. Okay, um, that's what you're building out the resources. I'm right? building out a portion of well, not the resources itself, but I want to build out the and that, this is answering your prior question. I want to build out the the individuals mm -hmm. because we need EMDR, we need CBT, you know, eye movement desensitivity recalibration, right. CBT cognitive behavioral therapy, right. DBT dialectical behavioral therapy. Yeah. 
neurofeedback. We need we we need these tools. We don't need more but we don't need more Xanax. We don't need no more of these these other prescriptions because it's not fixing the problem. No. Um and you know and even EMDR now medical doctors argue about this with the, the practitioners, but they suggest that they can cure ADHD on a 90% success basis through through EM through neurofeedback, excuse me, neurofeedback, not oh, EMDR. Really? Right. And so you know, these these other things out there, the, the answer is not always the prescription drug. And so the doing the work and getting us there, so I need the people that I have the resources that I can say, I've got this client, I need to send them here. I need to send them to, to Quadrant Family Services. I need right. to send them to, you know, the, right. these so that they can find the healing they need and it needs to be available. And that also brings it to when you go to court, these people can come in and speak and explain from their position. Right. And we need the and we need the experts that are willing yes. to, that are willing to go into the court and be cross-examined and and speak truth to power to a certain extent right. and say, no, just because they are not inherently evil because they were born in the projects and probably have an ACE score of eight out of ten. Right. They are not inherently bad. They are not inherent. It's not inherent to this individual that they are going to become an addict right. just because they have. Is it more likely because of those things? But they we can fine. solve it. We've got mental health dockets going on in general district courts right now. Why can we not take that service and start trying to implement it into the communities that need this help so much instead of waiting for until they have the criminal charge to say, here, this is the help we think that you need. Right. And that's what's going on is we're doing it after the fact. After. And and then and then we're but we're still shaming the people that are there. Yeah. You know? I get it. So so we'll we will be right back um, with more of quadrants of mental health.